0: Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now.
1: You're listening to the College Info Geek Podcast, where it's all about learning more, paying off your student debt, landing your dream job, and being awesome at college. Now, here's your host, Thomas Frank.
0: Hello, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast, where we expose inaccuracies in contemporary summarizations of Sumerian mythology. Today we'll begin an exhaustive analysis of Sumerian statue design. Since all the civilization's statues were made of gypsum, a material that dissolves in water, this concludes our exhaustive analysis of Sumerian statue design. Thank you. Nah, I don't like that format. Alright, back to the old one. Today we have another interview here on the College Info Geek Podcast, so welcome to episode 6. Hope you have had an awesome spring break, and let's get right back into it. The school year is almost over. I've got T-minus about a month and a few days change until I graduate, which is crazy, scary, and a bunch of other emotions that are just flowing through me, but you don't need to know about that. Anyway. Today we have an awesome interview with one of my friends. Uh, his name is Barrett Brooks, and he is the founder of both the Living for Monday blog at livingformonday.com, which is a blog sort of like College Info Geek, but not especially not like specifically for college students, um, but it talks about career development, personal development, and all sorts of things like that. And he's also the founder of the Career Kickstarter course at careerkickstarter.com, which is a big in-depth course on... The entire process to finding a job that you love and learning how to market your skills. So, Barrett is very in tune with the subjects that I am passionate about, and I just had to have him on the show to talk about it. I was actually a guest on his podcast, which uh, has been going on for a little while, so I was actually the first guest on his podcast, and now that I've got this podcast going, I wanted to return the favor and get him on the show to talk about his story and his strategies for finding a job that you truly love. So, Barrett is an expert on all sorts of topics when it comes to networking, uh, resume design, cover letters, all this stuff. But I really wanted to get into his story about how he found the job that he loves and that he feels passionate about. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Barrett. It's a little bit longer than normal, but I think it's very much worth it. So dig in when you have some time. And as always, if you want to get the show notes to anything I link to or mention in this episode, you can go to collegeinfogeek.com slash cast. Click on the link for episode six. You'll get all those details, and you can also leave a comment or share the post or do whatever it is that you feel you want to do. Maybe just click on it and ignore it all day. I don't know, but here we go. Uh, welcome to the show, Barrett. How's it going? Good. Glad to have you on here. How you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing great today. It's it's awesome to join you here, and I appreciate you having me. Hopefully, we can put out some interesting information for your audience.
0: Yeah, no problem. I am very excited to get into this interview. So uh, I've been browsing around the Living for Monday blog, browsing around the Career Kickstarter site, and you've got some amazing things going on, and I can't wait for everything to launch and to be able to check it out. Um, But before we get into this whole message you have of finding a job that matters and building a brand and building your leadership skills, I kind of want to hear your story and how you got to this point. Um, You said you came from a consulting job, and now you're doing this. So can you go into a little bit about like how your college experience went and how that led into your past job and then how that led into this?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So I
0: guess I'll take you back um, briefly to kind of
1: my freshman year because that's where everything started. You know, I I think sometimes people kind of give me this message that they feel like I'm the saint and I do everything right and I help people find great jobs and everything. That's not that's not where I got my start. So in my freshman year of school, I was um, really kind of a huge jerk. And I would say I had a little bit of a drinking problem and I ended up getting myself into, into some trouble with the law and, um, you know, found myself in jail basically and and woke up the next morning and had this whole host of problems that I had created for myself. I, um, was on 18 months of probation with the law. I was on two years of probation with my school. I had to go to AA meetings to show me what, you know, the potential path that I was on and to kind of scare me away from it. Um, you know, I had So I had all these issues that I created for myself, and that was where my journey really started, I think, towards kind of developing a leadership perspective and really trying to change my life for the better, which eventually led me down this path of helping other people do the same thing. So I, I ended up bouncing back from that. I kind of got rid of those bad habits that I had, at least to some extent, um, or kind of honed them in to, to make them more healthy social habits, and started taking on leadership roles in organizations at school. And so... Uh, I took on a leadership role with my fraternity and ended up being president there. I took on um, a leadership role with a camp for incoming freshmen at my college. I was an orientation leader. I did all these things on campus that really started to help me develop a perspective not only on leadership, but also on building high-performing organizations and how you can encourage people to really fulfill their potential and, and do great work for you. And so I ended up in this consulting job that you referred to because that to me was kind of like the fulfillment of my comeback story. You know, it was me proving everyone wrong that I wouldn't be able to bounce back from that hole that I had dug for myself. And coming out of business school, I went to the university of Georgia, you know, the the summit that you could get to was kind of management consulting. Nobody knew what it meant, but everybody knew that, that those were the jobs that they were shooting for. Right. And uh, so that was, you know, I talked to a recruiter one time and I told her I wanted to be a consultant for a company and she said, yeah, we don't we don't really recruit out of UGA for um, our consulting positions. So I would maybe look at some other positions. And so one of my top strengths in life is, is my competitive nature. And, you know, that can go both ways. But as far as one of my strengths is, is that competitive nature. And so immediately I responded with, okay, you've issued a challenge, and I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to be one of the people that gets hired into these jobs that's that goes against the rules. So... Um, that's how I ended up in the job. That's, that's kind of my short, short version of a long story, um, that ended me up in that job. So,
0: so before we continue from there, that's actually kind of interesting to me because that's something I've encountered too, where like the specific school you go to kind of defines what companies come and recruit out of those schools. And for a lot of people, that seems to be like your Avenue. You go to a school, whatever companies typically come recruit there, that's where you're going to probably work. But in your experience, you found a job at a company that doesn't typically recruit at your school. So how did you go about um, getting that job and overcoming the challenges of not really having the access provided by your school?
1: I love that. So you make a great point, right? There's this there's this challenge that we all face where there's certain companies that decide they want to recruit from certain schools because of the profile of the students or the caliber of the education or whatever it might be. And so if you don't have companies recruiting from your school, that can be a huge challenge, especially if they're outright kind of opposed to people from your school. There's kind of levels of opposition, and one is just kind of apathy towards your school, but another is when they're completely opposed to students from your school being able to do the job. And um, in this case, the company recruited from our school often, but for the specific sector of the company or like part of the company, which was the consulting, they didn't like to hire students from my school. So that was the situation I faced. And actually, when I applied for the job originally, they denied me an an interview. So I didn't even get into the first round of interviews. But luckily, I always put a a big emphasis on building relationships and really making sure that I dedicated myself to taking a meaningful approach to, to creating deep connections with people. And I went on this program that was kind of a leadership development program for a weekend on a working plantation in the state of Georgia. And there just happened to be a former executive from that company that I went to work for on the trip as a guest lecturer. I really went out of my way to build a relationship with him before I even knew what company he, had, he used to work for. And through that process, you know, he ended up asking me about my story, where I wanted to go to work. And I let him know that I had just found out that I didn't get an interview for one of my top jobs that I wanted And he said, well, number one, I know this program was competitive, so you've got to be impressive to get here. Number two, I really like the way that you've opened up, that you've built a relationship with me. Why don't we see what I can do? I'll make a call on my way home this weekend, and we'll see if we can get you in an interview seat. And sure enough, Monday morning came around, and I got an email, and it basically said, you know, hey, we've had an interview slot open up. And it was like magic. Um, And what I learned through that experience was that If you can target an opportunity that you want, and if you can figure out a way to build relationships with the right people, there are no barriers. And so you just gotta figure out a way to kind of get around that system that's been built, that opposition that's been built to whatever school you're in and kind of hack it a little bit.
0: So this is kind of mind blowing to me. So you're saying you went to a leadership development conference, basically. This wasn't even for the company that you were interested in and you found someone and through that relationship, you were able to get your interview. That's amazing because that's the same thing that happened to me. Um, for my the one internship I did, the the previous summer I went to a leadership development thing. It was for their company, not for a different company. But through that, I met somebody. I built a relationship with them, and I was able to easily snag the interview just from that relationship. Rather, I never like the the application process was you know hardly part of the process. It was really just the one relationship with that one person so that's amazing and that's something that I think is really really important to think about the just the importance of building that one relationship that gets you in so what was the job like after so obviously you got the job after the interview um, and well I don't I'm really not really a big uh, expert on consulting so but it's something that people in my major the MIS major often go into so what was it like really Well, let me make one point
1: before I dive into exactly what the job was like. So you made that point about kind of accessing jobs through relationships, and that was how we both were able to land a job. And so there's this concept that we talk about at Living for Monday and that you might have heard out there called the hidden job market, right? And basically what that says is that the large majority of jobs never end up getting posted publicly publicly. Um, but rather they hire either internal candidates or they go out and find somebody that's already got a relationship with somebody within the company, and so they never have to post that job on a job board or something like that. So I think a key takeaway from that point is you've got to build relationships to even know what what possibilities exist out there. And if you don't um, focus on those relationships, you're going to miss out on all these great jobs that you could be perfect for, and you just never know about them. So Anyways, I just wanted to get up on my soapbox there for a second. but
0: So basically, to- it's just like, hey, Joe, do you know anybody who can do this role we have open, and they go out and find somebody they already know? That's exactly right. It's like,
1: oh, wow, I met Thomas the other day at this leadership thing, and he is perfect for this role that
0: we've got opening up. Why even go look anywhere else when we know that he's a guy that can do it and do it well? And they get to skip the entire recruitment process. They don't have to go through resumes. They don't have to do a bunch of interviews. It's just one person. So it makes sense from their perspective. And from your perspective, it makes sense to know those people.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so to some extent, it's a numbers game for you as the as the job seeker. But for the company, I mean, that saves them all kinds of money. There's costs associated with every step of that recruitment process, uh, seeking resumes, posting a job, reviewing the resumes, all these things cost money because there's people that are getting paid to do it. So um, if you can get connected through a relationship, that saves them money, which is valuable in and of
0: itself. It makes them more likely to want to hire you, you know, whatever your credentials are because they didn't have to go through that process. You're not costing them money
1: besides right. you're just That's asking
0: right. a person, you know.
1: And especially if you can, you know, we can maybe get into more of this later, but if you can show them that you can provide value before you ever even end up in a job or before you ever even ask for anything, then it ends up being a no-brainer, just like you're saying, because they already know that you're willing to put that effort in, and they know that they can save money by going ahead and, and asking you to do the job.
0: Awesome. Okay, so let's get into about a little bit about what your job was like. Okay, all right, so consulting. So I think the first thing that's really helpful to know about
1: consulting is that it's one term for this very broad industry. It's not just like this one job description called consulting. So At a very high level, consulting ranges from one end at IT outsourcing, which is legitimately just like doing the IT work that big companies don't want to have to do on their own, all the way over to the other side, which is more strategic consulting. And that's looking at the high level, long term strategy of firms and companies and how they're going to go about doing their work. And so when you look at the strategy and you think of places like McKinsey and Booz Allen Hamilton and Bain and then somewhere in the middle of that range between IT outsourcing and strategic consulting is what the market calls process improvement and process improvement is looking at, okay, you've got your strategy. And you've got your people who implement the strategy on the ground in your company, but how do you improve the way that those people do their work, right? How do you improve the processes that they use so that you can save time, be more efficient, be more effective, get better results, all these things? So the company that I work for kind of worked in that process improvement space. So what did that mean for me as an entry-level person? Well, when I showed up, my job was I worked in the finance function of big companies, which means that the chief financial officer has all these people underneath him in the organization, and they all do you know work within the financial aspects of the business. So financial planning, budgeting, um, accounting, uh, auditing, all that kind of thing. So we worked on improving the way that those people do their work, and what that meant the first couple months was that I got to travel all around. and I helped on proposal teams selling projects and it was a really good time. You know, it was what I signed up for. I got to see new cities. I got to work with cool teams. I got to experience new things and the work itself. I mean, I was building PowerPoint decks, right? That was the only thing I knew how to do, um, as far as like a skill basis, but I was soaking up all this knowledge from these more experienced people. But very quickly, that turned into I got sucked onto a project that was local to the office that I was working from, which was in Atlanta. And so what that did was it took me out of that travel aspect. I didn't get to travel anymore because the office I was working in for the client was here in town. That was one aspect that I really didn't like. I wanted to travel. Then secondly, the time horizon of the project I was on was probably one to two years What I had been pitched on in the recruiting process was more like six to eight week projects. So very fast paced, kind of in and out, solve the problem, move on. What I was looking at was really very monotonous, difficult, not very fun work for a long period of time. And the better you got at that work, the longer you stayed on the project because the client liked high potential people, right? And so I had this conundrum that I was facing where I was doing work I didn't enjoy, working very much in kind of Excel type spreadsheets and trying to find different aspects of, um, basically I was trying to find documentation that supported the financial processes of the company. And so we had a list of like 10,000 documents and I was having to place calls to people around the world to find out where they had filed these documents. And that is like a never-ending abyss of work, right? And it was very depressing on most days. And so I could either self-sabotage myself and say, you know, I'm going to do intentionally bad work so that I can get off this project or I can do good work and ensure that I'm going to be on this project for even longer and that was kind of that breaking point where I decided I'm not willing to compromise my integrity and do bad work on purpose but I'm also not going to stay here and suffer through this and so that was when I pulled the trigger and decided to go do something more meaningful
0: so with this job that you got on board with what you were kind of promised up front didn't end up being exactly what you ended up doing after a few months that's correct, and I found that um, you know when you go to recruiting events for companies, their job
1: is to sell you, right? to sell you on kind of the shiny side of the business, and some people had the kind of experience that I got sold on, but others didn't, and the reason for that is that business problems are messy, and when you're a consultant, you're there to solve business problems, and if a business has a problem that doesn't exactly fit that shiny picture that you painted for your recruits you're not gonna turn down that new business just because it's not what those uh, new employees expect. And so that was just the reality of the situation, and so that's something to be aware of when you're looking for a job, right? They're giving you the shiny side of the business, so you need to learn about what's the reality behind that and what can you expect in the worst case as well.
0: And in reality, as a consultant, you're basically a problem solver for that company, and whatever problems come up, whatever they may be, you're gonna end up having to work on it, whether it's fun or not.
1: That's right. It might be sexy or it might be grunt work and you just never know what you're going to get.
0: But at least you weren't like the consultants in office space and you didn't have to fire anybody. So
1: this is correct.
0: That's one plus. So you transitioned from that to living for Monday. Is that correct? There wasn't anything in between.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. I, I knew, um, when I quit that job, I knew I wanted to build living for Monday and I knew I wanted to build career Kickstarter, which is our career search product. And, um, The reason was that I looked around and I saw so many people that were just out of school that were in that exact same situation I was in. They had gone out, they had looked for a job, maybe not very hard, and they had gotten pitched on the shiny side of whatever their job was. And they were six, nine months, a year, two years in and realizing, wow, holy crap, this is not even remotely what I signed up for. And on top of that, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to do with my life now because this is the identity I've clung on to to this point. And I'm essentially having to blow that up or just deal with it and become complacent and stay in this job. And I wanted to combat that because I think that that
0: sucks. That's an interesting point you make that when people get out, they get into these jobs and it seems like it's their only option just to stay in it and stick it out, which is why I think it's so important to do an internship before you're done with school, because in my experience, I went, you know, when I when I came in as a freshman, I wanted to be like a sysadmin kind of guy. I wanted to like be the guy that wires up the whole company and have all millions of screens and monitors and be working in command line all the time. Like that image was really appealing to me. And um, since I like to exercise and keep moving, the area of networking stuck out because I figured, oh, I'll be walking around the entire corporate campus. I'll be fixing wires and. And resetting routers and all that stuff. So I signed up, I got into the internship and turns out it was just sitting in a cubicle eight hours a day at a laptop, just, you know, closing entries in a firewall, nothing that ever needs to be done on site. You just sit there and you do it from your computer. That wasn't what I wanted. And I would stand up and look at the office and I'd say, you know what, I'm only here for three months. I haven't, I haven't out. And it's, it's it almost felt like a prison sentence to me, to be honest, because I didn't want to be doing it, but I would look at all the other cubicles and I would look at all these people who are there full time. And a lot of them probably for thinking the same things, but they didn't have a way out. So that's that's why I'm so interested in what you're doing, because you are trying to help people realize what it is they truly want to do instead of just listening to essentially what is a sales pitch from a recruiter. That's right. Yeah. And so,
1: you know, I guess if we take a step back and look at this whole problem from a high level issue real fast, um, you know, the point that you make is a really great one where you looked around, and there's all these people sitting in cubes next to you, and that's their reality. That's the life that they live, right? And at a high level, we've come from this industrial economy where that was the point. You had cogs in a machine that made the machine run better. And we went from kind of industrial um, factories where people stood there and they did their little cog task to cube farms, which is how companies ran for a long time, and now we've got this generation Y, which we're a part of, we don't believe in that, and so you've got these people who have an appreciation for a job, period, and they think that they're just supposed to show up, kind of punch the clock, do their work and go home, clashing with us younger people who we want to make a difference with the way that we work, we want our work to matter, we want our work lives and our personal lives to integrate, and that is not the way that older people in the workforce for the most part, on average, see work. And so you've got get these big organizations where that's clashing, and that's gonna be a major economic issue for, for the U.S. and beyond, now and going forward for the next 10, 25 years.
0: So what would you say to the older people who call it entitlement, this, this sense that we want our work to matter and we want it to be, you know, in some cases people want it to be varied, in some cases people always want it to be interesting. I think in some cases, their accusations are true in certain cases, but a lot of the times they just say, you know, all Gen Y workers are entitled and they don't appreciate work for work's sake. What do you say to that? So
1: I've got kind of two two sides to that argument, right? I work with a ton of students and people from Gen Y, and sometimes we are entitled. So that's the part that we've got to battle as members of Gen Y, is if you show up to work, you don't deserve a paycheck. I got news for you, you do not deserve a paycheck. But if you're valuable and you can show up and you can solve problems you haven't been asked to solve and you can go out of your way to make a difference and an impact, yes, you deserve a paycheck and you deserve to be promoted because that's on merit, right? You deserve that. But don't expect to show up and have somebody hand you things. I think that's where that comes from, right? Because we grew up in a general up economy where there was a lot of money going around. Our parents tended to take care of us. If not giving us everything we needed, at least with the basic necessities, right? So that's where it comes from. These, these are our parents that are essentially saying that about other people in our generation that say, y'all have everything, you've been given everything. And so we need to work to battle that and show, I don't want you to give me everything. I do want to do the hard work and I want to make a difference because of my efforts, not because of what you give me. So that's one side of it. The other side is though, that that's being said by older workers or older people in the workforce, because that's their experience, right? They had a a bad experience, or they think that they had to put their years of their life on the line just to get a good paycheck or to get a pension or whatever it might be. And that's very threatening to their reality to realize that that might not be what we have to struggle through. That makes them feel insignificant, right? So you start getting into that psychological aspect of it that they look at us and they say, you should have to suffer through what I suffered through because that's not fair to my life if you get to jump ahead of all those years that I suffered through. So does that kind of make sense? And so what you've got to do is you've got to recognize where they are. You've got to combat it with your true efforts and showing that you do deserve to be where you are. And then you've got to show understanding and say, listen, you can still, you know, kind of make up for those years that you gave up by doing something you care about now. And so working hard to build those relationships and show our point of view in a respectful way, I think, is the, the most effective way that we can bridge that gap.
0: Right. And really, that, that second point is just, that's just the reality of human progress. I mean, the people who were in the last generation who did have to work that way, they didn't have to go out and farm all day. And they didn't have to, you know, provide personally for every aspect of their existence. They, could, they had the luxury of specializing and, you know, doing a job in one area and making money in order to buy everything they need. And then we progress further to now maybe it's not the same exact way that they had to do it. And that's totally fine. You know, I think it's something that they need to realize, but like you said, it's also something that we need to realize. That's something that does in reality threaten them. And we do need to try to mitigate that a little bit by showing yeah, yeah. gratitude. Exactly. Exactly. And just and, and connecting on a very personal level,
1: because what I've found is that when I go out and I treat, older people, younger people, black people, yellow people, white people, whatever, the same. And I dig in and I want to build a real relationship and I want to understand where they come from before I try and be understood by them. It always works. I've never found somebody that's unwilling to connect if I really put the effort in. And I think that's where it all starts.
0: Right. Okay, so we have that challenge. So their challenge is now to find work that you actually care about. And in my mind the way money works is you provide value, you get paid because money is a unit of value. That's the entire definition of money, which means you don't need to just go find a random job and do the same exact work your parents did because that's how it's always done. No, if you can find a way to provide value in any way, even if it's completely to your own specifications and it seems like a theme park ride right, to somebody else, that's that's still cool because you're providing value and doing something that people like and that helps them. So how do you go about finding a job or maybe even your own gig that does that for you?
1: This is a great point. And so every time that I give a presentation or I speak on finding a job that matters or I teach it or whatever, I make this point. The only reason that your story and your experience matters is because it shows your potential to provide value in the future right? And so if you're building a resume, networking with a recruiter, writing a cover letter, interviewing, they don't care about your story. They really don't. I mean, maybe on a personal level, they want to build a relationship with you, but from a business decision to hire you standpoint, they don't care about your story. They only care about the extent to which your story shows that you provided value in the past and you have the potential to provide further value in the future. So Whenever we think about finding a job, yes, we want to think about it in our terms, right? We want to think about um, what is my purpose and how can I make a connection between what I believe and the work that I do? What are my values and how can I find a company and people that work in that company that share values with me and share a belief system? What are my strengths and how can I find a job that allows me to use those strengths every day? Because the research shows us that People who get to do that are more engaged. They're more effective. And then what's my vision for my life? You know, what's my ideal lifestyle on the whole? Because like I said, we're integrating our personal and our work lives. So how can we find a job that allows us to create that ideal lifestyle and not just um, work versus life? And so we're looking for all those things. But even if we find that, we're not going to pitch how great the opportunity is for us to the employer, right? We need to find a way to match um, what I refer to as kind of our personal sweet spot, right, which is the combination of our past experience and skills, um, our passions and interests, and then a specific way of providing value to an employer. And so there's kind of some fundamental ways that you can provide value to an employer. Um, You can help create a product or service. You can um, sell a product or service. You can create content, which could be marketing, or it could be you know, sales material, things like that. Um, you can manage people, which is often not an option for people coming right out of school, because you do need some experience to do that. And you can manage processes, right? So there's internal processes within companies, accounting, marketing, you know, all the things that make a company run, you can manage those things as well. So what you've gotta be able to do is make a connection between what you're good at, what you wanna do, and those value creation opportunities, and that's how you wanna pitch it is, hey, I'm good at this, I love this, that provides value to you in this way.
0: And then you need to figure out how to effectively communicate it as well.
1: That's exactly right, exactly.
0: And that's really what the whole Living for Monday project is about, that's what Career Kickstarter is about, and in large part, that's what my site is about as well, is figuring out how to find that sweet spot of your passions and your expertise and how you can help an employer and then figuring out how to communicate it. So for you, it was building a single relationship with one person that landed you that big interview with the company that initially rejected you. So that is the, the thing I really want to focus in on is how to build relationships that are not just superficial business relationships, but are meaningful relationships that can actually open doors for you. You can open doors for them, that kind of thing. How do you network in that way?
1: I love this topic. Okay. So I want to, I want to kind of create an analogy here cause I think it'll help you understand the process. So in sales, we talk about sales funnels, right? And if you think of a funnel, there's a big opening at the top, right? And a lot can go in on that top end. And then out of the bottom is usually a smaller thing. Like, so if you're putting oil into a car, it would come out into a small spout into the oil tank. Well, that's the same way with networking and how we can build relationships. Um, we want to put a lot of effort in at the top, right? We need to build a lot of different relationships to find those people that we can really connect with on a basis of shared values or shared interest or or other connections like that. So. You've got to make the effort to go out and build a lot of different relationships. And as you do, what you'll get is you'll get uh, movement throughout that funnel. And so you'll get to that mid-level, and you'll find a core group of people that you really want to maintain relationships with. And so maybe we can maintain relationships with, let's say, 100 people, you know, 100 really um, solid relationships. Maybe not meeting every week, but solid relationships. And the idea is you've probably got to meet with 1,000 people before you can find the hundred that you really want to stay in touch with, or maybe even more than that. Hmm. So you've got to reach out to a lot of different people and to be most effective, to spend your time best, you've got to target the right kind of people first because that can increase what would be referred to as a conversion rate and sales, right? Where what if you could meet with 500 people to find the 100 people that you want to maintain relationships with? How would you do that? And the way that I choose to do that is I look for people who seem to share beliefs with me, right? So who are other people who are looking to help others increase their potential or fulfill their potential and make an impact in the world? I look for people with shared values as I have. So people who show courage in their work, people who show excellence in the work that they do, people who have absolute integrity. These are some of the things that I hold close to me and how I want to live. So I look for other people that share those or seem to share those beliefs too. And so if you can kind of create these criteria for the kind of people you want to you wanna connect with, then you can have a higher success rate as far as finding people that you want to stay in touch with. And so for a job, you might look for people at specific employers or with specific skill sets or with specific interests that you can connect with who may be able to send you to other people like them, right? And so that's where I always start the process is targeting the right people so that I can be most effective and most genuine in building those relationships because I know we have a, a common
0: point of interest
1: uh, to start off with.
0: So before we move to the next step of that, I want to highlight one thing. You said you want to connect with people who have the same values as you, like the integrity, you know, courage in their work. It's not just people who do the same thing as you or who have the same exact skill set because if that is who you're going after, you're going to end up building relationships with a bunch of people who do the same thing. Whereas your method... You make connections with people who think the same way, but maybe do a whole host of different other things, which opens up a whole, you know, thousands of different possibilities. If you're friends with designers and coders and and lumberjacks and whatever, and they all hold the same values, but they do different things, then the possibilities for your ability to help them and their ability to help you and your ability to create things as a group increases because you have tons of different skill sets.
1: That's exactly right. And the more you can broaden that network that you have to people with varying skill sets and varying interests um, based on that, that shared belief system, the more you're going to be able to make meaningful, uh, meaningful connections between those people, which makes you inherently valuable. You know, it makes you a connector, which is, is something that most people value.
0: Right. But it's still important to try to find something that will allow you to narrow down the field of connections you want to make at first. So you have a better chance of building those truly strong relationships. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. So
0: in the professional world, people know how to make friends. I mean, I would assume people know how to make friends in a casual sense. But in the professional world, what do you do to take the relationship from just a standard, you know, very light relationship to a more meaningful, solid, more contact relationship? I love that. Okay.
1: So there's a couple of things you need to
0: do. The first thing is that you've got to get together at
1: least once, either via Skype, which is how you and I have kind of started to build a relationship, or in person, sometimes via phone, will work too. And So the whole idea here is that you want to get together and you want to ask great questions of these people. You want to find out about their life and really drill down, because the more that you can allow someone else to talk about themselves, ironically, the greater affinity that they feel to you which means that the better questions you ask, the more information you pull out of them, the more intimately that they share information, the more they look at you as a person of value and a person that they want to stay in touch with. And so that to me is step one, right? Is to be interested in them because that draws them to you. And then you can make that decision based on all that information that you pulled out of them. Is this a person that I believe shares those values now that I know them? And is it someone that I'd like to stay in touch with that I feel like I can learn from and serve and help over time. And once you make that decision, that's, that's kind of a key point. You know, you want to maintain contact with as many people as possible. And if you don't really think you, you catch up that well or vibe that well with the person, add them on LinkedIn, tell them you're happy to help them in any way you can. And just leave it at that. You know, don't feel pressure if you don't see a reason to continue building. But if you do, If the answer is yes, I want to continue getting to know this person and building that relationship, then the way that I do it is add a reminder on your calendar and set it for a recurring amount of time. So maybe it's four or six weeks. That seems to be a pretty good sweet spot. And let's say four weeks after you meet them the first time, you just ping them and you say, hey, I read this article the other day. It made me think of you. I really hope you're doing well. Please let me know if there's ever anything I can do to help, right? And so this is not about you in this case. It's about, I was thinking of you, number one. And so that shows that you care about them, that they they mean something to you from a relationship standpoint, not in a weird way, just like, you know, you matter. Mm -hmm. And then you're sharing a valuable piece of content, right? Something that they might be able to learn from. So you're providing value there. And then you're offering to help them. That's all in one short three sentence email that takes you 30 seconds. In doing that, again, you're building that strong tie with them so that they have that affinity for you. And the reason is that when you build these kinds of relationships, at some point, there's going to come a time when you do need help with something. So you're not building relationships because you want things from people, but if you build them the right way and you serve, 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 give, give, give for long enough, when you need help, your network doesn't look at it like a problem or a inconvenience when you ask of them but instead they're very happy to provide that right right and so the system i use is i stay in touch i stay in touch and maybe every third time a reminder comes up i say hey let's get together for coffee or let's have a skype call and i and i get together to reaffirm our relationship in person or face to face so that they maintain that connection and i stay on top of
0: mind and that's that's amazing how you i mean I really think it's important to think to uh, point out that it's really about giving at first you're you don't at any point in this process go into it with the intent of finding people who can help you you really want to find people who interest you and who you can help and later on down the road when you do need help it's going to be there but it was never there for the express intent of you getting anything
1: that's exactly right you put that perfectly find people who are so interesting who you feel so pulled towards that you want to help them. And if you don't feel that connection to them and you're still thinking you should help them, it's probably because you want something. It's probably because you see something that you want from them and that is not going to be a long-term sustainable relationship.
0: Right. And when I really think about that in concrete terms, the people who I've been following for a long time and who I've built relationships with and whose content or whose own personal efforts have helped me over time, the moment they, like, tweet out a question or tweet out, I need help with something, I just want to do it, you know? It's not even directed towards me. I'm just like, I really like that person. They've helped me so many times in the past, whether indirectly or directly. I just want to help them. And that's really how all people think, you know? At least I think that's how people think. When you really like somebody, you just want to help them out. That's exactly
1: right. And I I think we can all kind of aspire to be that person who tweets a question and gets 25 answers. I mean, that to me is the pinnacle of having built great relationships with people, is having those people who want to serve you, who want to help you every time you ask.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. So we've been chatting for quite a while. Um, I do want to go into a little bit about what Career Kickstarter is, since that's your one big project right now. So just kind of give us an overview of uh, what the course is. Awesome. So over the past 18 months now, I have set
1: out on this mission and I decided that I'm tired of people getting pitched on the, the shiny side of jobs. I want people to go out and be proactive, not to be victims, not to be wait to be picked, but to be proactive and to go get what they want from the, the work that they do. And to do that, I, I had to do a lot of testing. I sat down with a lot of individuals and went through coaching processes and found out methods that work. And I talked to recruiters and hiring managers and people who have been in business for a long time. And I try to find out and distill down what are the concepts that allow people to find work that matters, to find jobs that matter to them and allow them to show up on Monday morning and say, I'm ready to get after it today because this work matters to me and I want to make a difference here. And so to do that, I wanted to build a a reliable system to help people get there, to help them ask the right questions of themselves, to find out who they are and what they want and what they're good at, and then go find that out in the market by doing great career research, by targeting companies that might not recruit from their campus or might not be looking for them but that they can go out and proactively find and then giving them the tools for building outstanding resumes, writing outstanding cover letters, networking in a genuine way, just like we talked about, and then blowing interviews absolutely out of the water so that they land jobs that they want instead of being victim to recruiters that need new employees, right? And so that's what Career Kickstarter is all about is a a dedicated, reliable system that anybody can follow on their own and go out and find a job
0: that matters. So it's really all about getting to the point where you have choices instead of it being this one company, you know, wants to hire me, I got to go with them. It's I now have 10 companies barking down my door because I've learned how to communicate my skill set to everyone. That's exactly Which, right. That's, that's exactly. incredibly interesting to me and this is kind of like the whole process, the resumes, cover letters, building relationships. But I'm guessing that it's going to be very much challenge based would would you say that's correct very much based on getting people out there and doing it instead of just reading you know a guide
1: that's right It's, it's not for the faint of heart right and I will never kid anybody about that if you buy this product if somebody buys this product I guarantee the angry emails I get are going to be from people that don't have the time and dedication to find what they truly want and for the people that don't have that time or dedication or perseverance to get through it It's not for you, but the people who do, I will help, I will personally make sure that the tools that you require are there for you because those are the people that I wanna help go out and and truly make a difference and solve important problems.
0: So it's really just an aggregation of all the tools and resources you've used yourself over the years. In my post on self-education, I made a kind of a point about that, that really a lot of people who are experts have had to go through this process of looking for every resource and you know bumping into dead ends and all that, and that's that's valuable. But on the other hand, it is also valuable to be able to find a set of resources that have already been put together for you. And in the case of finding a job, and in the case of building resources, I think that could be a uh, valuable thing.
1: That's exactly right. And I agree. You know, and, and the the question I think that people need to ask themselves is. Based on what you know of me, based on what you've seen on Living Through Monday, based on my story, do you trust me enough to believe that I put together the right resources, that I've worked my tail off to go out and find the right things to help you? Um, and, and you know, my personal pitch on that is absolutely, because all I care about is you being successful and you being fulfilled in your life and using your work to make a difference. That's my greatest level of success, and that's why I built the thing
0: to begin with. So, Awesome. So I'm very interested to see that when it is finally completely finished so the one last thing I wanted to ask you about was the story on your blog about how you had to uh, make five thousand dollars in a week because that in itself is a huge challenge and obviously something that would involve going out and building relationship or making connections so can you tell us a little bit about how that went down and what necessitated it
1: absolutely so
0: you know I think a lot of people went to
1: that post expecting it to be a very gimmicky kind of deal Um, And I think I I kind of surprised some people because it was a real experience. You know, this was a thing that I had to deal with. And it was right around Christmas of uh, 2012. I was finishing up the career Kickstarter website, actually. And I had a bill due for, I think it was around $2,000 or something like that. And my personal bank account was near zero. The business bank account was near zero. And I had been building these two websites that I'm in love with for seven months and I had no source of income Um, and in fact this website was supposed to become my source of income and so it was this weird kind of conundrum and I had to go out and figure out okay here's my reality I need two thousand dollars I have five days until this invoice is due what are you going to do about it and just like you said it was very relationship based if I had not been working hard to build the foundations of relationships for a long time I would have had no shot But thankfully, I had, and I knew several business owners that I knew had challenges within their business that I could potentially solve with my consulting background. And so I kind of took a look internally. I said, okay, what am I good at? I knew that I had the consulting background. I know that people respect the company that I work for and that that would get me in the door. Then I looked at who are the people within my network that I know that might be able to use the kinds of skills that I have and the experience that I have. And based on that, I went out and scheduled a meeting, and I basically said, you know, or I asked questions. And a guy named Dane Maxwell goes over this in his uh, the foundation program that he does, and he calls it idea extraction. And basically, the whole point is that if you can ask the right questions of people, they'll tell you what you should sell them. You don't even have to create anything first; they'll tell you. And so I asked this business owner. I said, listen, what are the challenges you're facing right now? Um, And I actually went in thinking that I could help him improve his social media presence. But what I found was that he wanted to restructure his entire business. He had dreams of being able to have his office manager run the whole company and him be able to go out and do other work, enjoy life a little bit more. And so when you start getting to that level of detail about the challenges and the hopes, fears, and dreams of the, the business owner, you can create a great solution, right? So I went home, I created a proposal around exactly the words that he used to describe his challenges to me, and I took him that back. And I was just trying to solve $2,000 worth of work, right, or sell $2,000 worth of work, because that was my immediate need. And so I said, okay, here's the first phase, and in that phase, we'll do X, Y, and Z, and it'll cost you $2,000. And he said, okay, great. Tell me about phases two, three, and four. So I walked him through the rest of the plan, and he said, all right, how much for all of it? And so that was where, I, wasn't even re- I didn't even have a price ready for that because I was so concentrated on getting $2,000, I didn't even think about what would happen if I had the opportunity to sell that much more work. And so I went home, I thought about it, and I sent him an email and I said, okay, here's the price, um, I'll be happy to do all the work for you, and that was how I landed the $5,000 contract. So. That's the story and I ended up being able to pay my bills and buy a few Christmas presents and it all worked out.
0: So you went from Monday morning stressing out over a bill you thought you were screwed over to Friday you had $5,000 coming and everything was fine. One week all based on just talking to people, asking them what they need, not I need $5,000. That's
1: exactly That's amazing. Right. That's, yep. that's such a cool you- story. If anybody that's listening to this wants to check it out, they can go find it on uh, livingformoney.com. But you'll see at the bottom of the post, there's this six-step process I kind of distilled it down to that I believe is reliable, that you can use on a repeatable basis to go out and make money and solve problems for people. Um, so if you ever find yourself in a bind, I, I believe that's a way that you can uh, get yourself out of it.
0: That's awesome. And I'll definitely link to that post in the show notes. Um that reminds me like sometimes sometimes my friends and even me I'll be sitting there and you know haven't done anything meaningful in a while and you'll think, if I wanted to get a job, who would hire me? you know I don't what are my actual skills? You know, in my case, I'm like, I write blog posts. I'm not a real author. I can't write real books. I'm not a real programmer. But when you go out and somebody actually gives you a specific problem that they're having, your brain starts working and you start saying, oh, I know how to do that. I know how to do that. I can provide a solution for this specific problem that I didn't even think I had the skills for when I was sitting and just spitballing for my own skills earlier this morning. I mean,
1: do you ever it's have exactly, that feeling? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you
0: know, I think part of it comes
1: from, from having a confidence in yourself and your abilities to say, not only do I know how to solve the problem, In theory, but I believe that when it comes time to perform the actual work, I'll be able to deliver on that. Because sometimes you have to sell things that you've never done before, but you can visualize them kind of in your head. And so then you have to know later on that you believe that you can do the work to get it done, right, to solve the problem. And so I think that's a big part of it. But yeah, I agree completely. You know, if you're sitting around, if you tend to solve problems naturally, or if you've gotten yourself out of the box enough to think in those terms, you can provide value to people. You can find ways to solve their problems. And you don't have to be that much more advanced to them or than them to do it.
0: That's awesome. Cool, well we are getting right on the hour mark so I think I'm gonna start wrapping up. If uh, people wanna find you, connect with you, where should they go? Excellent, so I've got the Living for Monday website which is
1: livingformonday.com and then if you wanna check out Career Kickstarter, it's career com, and if you want to hang out on twitter i'm always 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 looking to interact with people you can find me at barrett a brooks two r's two t's and then you can find living for monday at living for monday
0: cool and i will definitely link to these things and one last question since i saw that on the blog you posted uh five books that are really inspirational to you what's the best book you've read recently the best book i've read recently that's a great question um Let's see, for your audience,
1: I would love if they went out and read a book called uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a book I read every year because I believe that is the best handbook on building meaningful relationships, and I think they would really love it.
0: Cool. Yeah, I actually haven't read uh, Dale Carnegie's book yet, but that's on my list, so I'll definitely be checking it out. So it was amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and this has been very insightful. Thank you for having me, Thomas, and I'm happy to come back anytime, man. All right, cool. All
1: right, bye.
0: What? No, 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 no. It's not insider trading if I hit you on the head really hard afterward. Just, just do it. Don't... Oh, sorry. Uh, hope you enjoyed that interview with Barrett Brooks. Um, I got a lot of really awesome insights out of that interview myself. I've listened to it a couple times after going through it, so hopefully you were also able to find something really useful and usable for your own life if you would like to connect with barrett you can follow him on twitter at barrett brooks like he said also you can connect with me on twitter i'm tom frankly we're both really nice guys so connect with us if you have a twitter account if not you should get one and hopefully you enjoyed this episode again you can get the show notes at collegeinfogeek.com slash cast and if you did like this episode and you want to hear more and you want to see the show grow Go on iTunes and leave me a rating or review. I would love it and appreciate you. Thank you so much and have an awesome day.
1: Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.